0: It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson, he's got it! They're not gonna catch him! He's gonna go the distance! Touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson! 92 yards! deflected, and picked up He'll take it in! It's a pick six,
1: and a touchdown! Bell into the middle of that line...
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, (laughs) Skip Bayless. And the best part is not only is it completely free 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet at the great price of absolutely nothing you don't even have to log in or sign up for anything download the cbs sports app and watch cbs sports hq today this is play like a jet my name is scott mason you can follow me on twitter at play like a jet one and this is the weekend mailbag so for that of course we are joined by the owner the operator the lead reporter the whole shebang over jets JetsInsider.com and above all of that a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, you've been under the weather for a while, haven't heard from you for a couple of days. I assume that you're at least somewhat well-rested by now. I hope you're feeling a little bit better.
1: Yeah, uh, plenty of rest. I'm feeling a little bit better. It's been crazy. Uh, I've just been... Everything, it's one of those things, you know, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong in the last couple of weeks. So it's been a little hectic in my life uh, lately, but... I'm ready here. I'm I'm ready to do this mailbag.
2: One might say that your life has been like the Jets season the last couple of weeks with the colds and the various illnesses and all that stuff. Hopefully, Joe Douglas will draft you an offensive line to help improve your health in 2020.
1: Yes, that's uh, <laughs> there's some some huge sweeping changes need to be made. Here. <laughs> that, that's that's what's going on here.
2: We need to put a fortress around your antibodies. (laughs) Chris, let's jump right into the mailbag, and we will start with this because I think it's an interesting topic. From Gus Tooney says, Will Chris Johnson look like more of a chump keeping Adam Gase going into 2020 or going back on his word and firing him before the 2020 season starts? I guess it really depends on who you ask To be honest I think if you ask most Jets Fans they would say it looks like more of a Chump by keeping his word If you ask some people outside Of the Jets they might say that the Jets look Like a joke making this declaration And then going back on their word After one year especially after they let Adam Gase force out the general manager And with all the instability That's been around the organization Some people would make the argument that it would make It a lot harder for the Jets to get a Qualified candidate or somebody who's in high demand I personally think that he looks worse if he brings Gase back in 2020 because I think Gase has done such a poor job that he's proven he's not the guy we've talked a lot Chris about how stubborn and inflexibly is we've talked in the past about the problems in the locker room and how he can't deal with managing these players a lot of the ways that he tries to wiggle out of Responsibility for things Accountability He's the same guy That he was in Miami And that was what I was afraid of This is why usually if a guy's going to be successful in his second head coaching job, it's after he gets bumped back down to coordinator or takes a year off. You've even heard stories about Mike McCarthy, how this forced him to reflect on what he was doing wrong, and he's hired an entire team of people to help him rethink the way that he coaches, and he's really working hard, trying to improve and get ready for another opportunity if it comes his way in the offseason. And I applaud Mike McCarthy for that, because that's something that... As you and I have talked about, Chris, a lot of Coaches don't do because they're stubborn It would be very easy for somebody like Mike McCarthy to say, well, I won a Super Bowl and I won this many games in Green Bay, why should I have to change? No, he's looking at it and saying, okay, here's What Green Bay is doing without me, what Am I doing wrong? And I applaud him for that And to be honest, it would make me a lot more Comfortable hiring him now Than I would have been when he was fired From Green Bay. With Gase We've seen none of that, and to be Fair, he has none of the success that McCarthy had early on in Green Bay either so I think that the Jets look worse if they keep Adam Gase that said none of this matters because barring something incredibly catastrophic or Adam Gase basically threatening to kill Christopher Johnson I don't see any way that Gase is going anywhere until at least the end of next season
1: see I was gonna bring up the McCarthy stuff too if you, if you guys remember when we were going through the store uh, search, I was vehemently opposed to hiring Mike McCarthy. I thought that that would have been the worst decision you can make. I saw that report and it's one of those, like, I don't know hundred percent if I'm, if I believe him, but this is what happens if you get fired and you take a year off and then you can kind of be forced to look at yourself and criti- be self-critical and to assess some things and see what you can do differently uh, I would be m- am way more in favor of a team hiring Mike McCarthy next se- going into next season uh, on the hope and prayer that he- all that stuff is true and he has taken the hard look and he is willing to change and adapt to the new times than I would have been to last year. Adam mm-hmm. Gase got fired and immediately got hired again, and that's uh, to him, that's him saying, yeah, I've done nothing wrong. I don't need to change anything. Look, I got a job right away. So uh, that's a huge, huge uh, difference and a huge detail Um, as far as which way would look worse. It it depends on who he ends up ultimately hiring. Because remember, if he was to fire Gase, it would depend on who he ends up ultimately hiring. Because remember... The Jets got crushed for firing McCagnin when they fired him. Once they got Joe Douglas, a lot of that it kind of died down a little mm-hmm. bit because everyone was like, oh, well, they still got the guy that they wanted. And then everybody was able to look back and be like, and yeah, I mean, McCagnin really did need to go. I mean, the timing wasn't great. They probably should have done it when they fired Bowles. They should have just done it then. But now they got their guy. And all right, so now it kind of makes sense. So if they hire somebody that everybody's on board with, like this isn't going to happen, but let's say they fired him and they went and they convinced Matt Rule to come out and they gave gave him the job. I, I think people would get on board with that much easier. But this, the most people are going to look at it and they'd say firing him would be the bigger mistake. And they're going to sit there and they're just going to cling to this. You, you have to give him more time than one year. And the injuries and the offensive line. And there's just nothing you can say. That Adam, There's nothing Adam Case could, done, could have done that would be enough for that section of people to say that you should fire him after one year. Um, and again, this is one of those... Results versus process things. Uh, Remember earlier in the, the year when they were losing games with Luke Falk and we would be critical of some things they were doing and everyone would just say, oh, but it got Luke Falk and these injuries. Yeah, okay, I'm not criticizing him because they're losing this game. I expected them to lose this game, but I'm criticizing How they're losing this game. How they're going about it. Because this doesn't make any sense. This isn't how a coach should be running the team. Running the offense. He's got to do better stuff. So like the the reason to fire Gase is not because of their record. Because... Going right after training camp and preseason, I adjusted my expectations for this team, and I thought they were a 16 win team at max. So I'm not saying Adam Gay should be fired because of their record. That would be ludicrous because they're right on target to possibly hit that, even if they don't actually get quite there. Um, But. It's, it's everything that was a problem Miami is a problem here. It's him not being flexible enough in his system, not willing to adapt and build around Darnold, around Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's all those types of things. It's all the injury problems, which, again, I will never blame a coach for that if it's just a one-off thing but he had these same issues in Miami. He had issues with pissing off players because of finding them for all this stuff. He's had issues being able to relate to players and driving players out of town. He's had all those same issues and they're resurfacing again here. And the results aren't good enough to overcome that. And I'm not seeing anything that I can hang my hat on and be like, this is going to be much better next year. I don't see any reason why this is going to be better next year. Yes, it'll be improved with an improved offensive line. It'll be a little improved with better talent. But these, it's still going to be the same problems about the system, about the way he conducts himself, about the way that he sometimes shoots his mouth off and says things in a wrong way that might rub players the wrong way. <clears throat> All those problems are still there, but I still think the vast majority of people will sit would sit here and look more critically at firing him because don't fire a coach after one year. And I... I I think there's exceptions to every rule. I generally tend to lean towards that. But when you're paying close enough attention, you can see in one year that, nah, this ain't it and this is not it.
2: I'd say the same thing about Freddie Kitchens with the Browns as well, by yeah. the way. Clearly that's a situation where the owner just needs To admit that he made a mistake Swallow his pride and move on Save Baker Mayfield from this madness Because if Freddie Kitchens is the Head coach next year you're going to see more of the same And that's not a good thing And the thing with Baker Mayfield That's scarier for you if you're a Browns fan Than Sam Darnold Sam Darnold's a couple years younger So there's a little bit more time But with Baker Mayfield you really don't want to be wasting time like that But if it were me I think Gase is And Freddie Kitchens have both shown you they are not the guy, both in different ways. Kitchens has shown you he's just not up to the task. And Gase has shown you that he's the same guy that was fired in Miami. And that's the exact reason why he shouldn't have been hired here in the first place.
1: Free Todd Monken. Whatever they do with Kitchens, (laughs) free Todd Monken. If they they keep Kitchens, let Todd Monken go somewhere else. But free Todd, Todd Monken.
2: I would like to see Todd Monken come here and get the head coaching job that he should have been given in the first place. Ironically, it was between Monken and Gase at the very end after Rule decided to pass because they told him they wanted to pick his staff. And they picked Gase because Gase had Head coaching experience in the NFL Whereas Monken only had head coaching experience In college football, but I think that Monken was the guy they should have hired in the First place, so that would be nice Unfortunately, I think this is all a pipe dream Personally, if I were the Browns, I would Just hang on to Monken and elevate him to head Coach and get rid of Freddie Kitchens But I have a feeling if they get rid of Freddie Kitchens That's where Mike McCarthy could land Because I think that John Dorsey realizes (coughs) That he's only going to get one more Chance to hire a head coach, and so he's going to want to go the established route after putting his chips into the center of the table on a completely unproven commodity this time
0: while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep sunday scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners bo schmidt and mike sill they operated a full service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted
2: Next question comes in from Venom A D. He says, What's it going to take to get Gase fired and for Douglas to pick his head coach? Real simple. It's gonna take convincing Christopher Johnson that Adam Gase isn't the man for this job. That's really the only thing that's going to make that happen.
1: Yep, it, it it's that simple. That that's it. It's you know, I could uh we could sit here and talk and talk and talk, but that's it. It's it's really that simple.
2: Next question comes in from G Tucker 1115 He says, other than winning, what change do you want to see most out of Gase? This is simple, and we've touched on this before, but I want to see him become more flexible. I want to see him do a little bit of introspection the way that we talked about Mike McCarthy doing. I want him to sit down and say, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to make better use of some of the players that I haven't used well? Maybe he didn't want Le'Veon Bell here in the first place. Fine, figure out a way to use him better. Maybe Robbie Anderson, because he's not a... Yak guy isn't a quote-unquote Adam Gase guy, but he's a very talented receiver. I'd like to see them re-sign him and for Gase to figure out ways to get the ball to Robbie because – as Michael Nania has pointed out, there have been a ton of times that Robbie Anderson was wide open down the field, and if Donald had a little bit more time, he could have hit him with a deep pass for a touchdown. I think that's something that's very much in play if Robbie Anderson sticks around. He has developed some chemistry with Sam Darnold. So I think that the number one thing that I would like to see out of Adam Gase is for him to be more like what we said Bill Belichick is, which is somebody who prioritizes getting the most out of the players he has rather than trying to fit people into a system.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, and that isn't just uh, limited to Adam Gase. That's, that's how I want to evaluate every coach. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I want to look for is adjustments, how they make adjustments, in-game adjustments, in-season adjustments, between-season adjustments. By adjusting to your players and not making them adjust to you, uh, the, those are the biggest things I I want to see. Um, one thing I'll say, Gase has been very complimentary of Robbie Anderson lately. He has definitely noticed that you know Robbie is being more productive uh, in the middle of the field and underneath. He's doing some more things. Um, I so I do feel like he is starting, even though he talked and raved about him in training camp and seemed like. He was very excited about what he could do with them. I, it does seem like there might might be some momentum building there that they're saying, you know what, we can work with Robbie here. Um, but, yeah, that that's it. It's really that simple that when I'm looking at coaches, I want to see the how they adjust. It's the old Mike Tyson line, you know. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, so you can come in with your scheme and – How many times have we seen uh, the Jets start a game with an opening drive and march right down the field and score, and then when everything's scripted, that's perfect, and then things fall apart afterwards? Um, You have to be able to adjust, and that's the number one thing I look for in a coach is how they adjust, how they change after something stops working, when they're running up against a certain team that does this really well. How do they adjust and work around it? Um, bringing up, uh, you know, the the Ravens earlier, that the way that they went all in on Lamar Jackson, you know, this is—I was very high on Lamar Jackson going into the draft. I liked Lamar Jackson very much. I had Lamar Jackson ranked higher than Sam Darnold. I would have said Lamar Jackson should have been the number one overall pick if I had known that a team was going to fully embrace him and and develop their entire offense around him because teams don't generally do that with quarterback with running quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson. they they try to stubbornly force them into being a pocket passer. And you can kind of see this with the bills. the the thing that's still Josh Allen's playing better than I thought he would. Um, but when he does really well, is when he goes outside of that mold. When he struggles is when they're still trying to force him to be that pocket passer. Well, the Ravens haven't done any of that. They are letting him throw from the pocket on plays, but that's when everybody is so committed to watching everything else uh, and he's able to take advantage of it. So that, again, credit to John Harbaugh because that was a great uh, job for him to fully embrace it. But that's what I want to see from a coaching staff. I want to see adjustments.
2: I still might have been hesitant to take Lamar Jackson number one overall Over somebody like Sam Darnold Because I wonder if as great as Lamar Jackson is This is going to be able to hold up for a long period of time Or whether or not this is going to be a four to five year phenomenon We're going to find out though Because in a lot of ways Lamar Jackson is kind of a test case here In fact, Jamal Westerman has a really interesting theory about quarterbacks He has kind of an innovative way of thinking In terms of how he would use quarterbacks in the modern NFL I'm going to let him tell this in the offseason Season. So as we say kids in the radio biz That's a tease You're going to hear from Jamal in the offseason about that But it does play into what Lamar Jackson does well That would have been my only reservation But I also was big on Lamar Jackson. I didn't think that he was going to be as good of a pro as Darnold, Mayfield, or Rosen. Clearly, I was wrong, especially on the Rosen end of that. We don't know for sure yet with Darnold and Mayfield because we're only two years into this. But certainly, Lamar Jackson has proven that he can play in the NFL and be a major impact player. Right now, the frontrunner for the MVP award in his second season. So there's not much more you could have asked for from him. play like a jet play like a jet next question comes in from the jet ranger he says you must choose one jets player to win a hot dog eating contest and if they lose you have to silently watch film with adam GaSe over the entirety of christmas eve and christmas day while his wife contemplates divorce who are you picking I got to go with Quinn and Williams here, and it's not just because he's a big guy. It's also because he's young, and I know that he can do a lot of damage with food because we've heard the stories about him eating Oreos and eating a ton of pancakes at IHOP. I don't know if he loves hot dogs, but I'm going to say that there's a decent chance because he's a big guy, and big guys often like hot dogs and hamburgers. It's just kind of in the DNA. So I'm going to go with Quentin Williams on this one, and hopefully he's able to get the victory for me because the last way I'd ever want to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day would be sitting and watching film with Adam Gase for 18 hours a day.
1: All right, so my immediate thinking, I was thinking Steve McClendon. Um, you made an excellent point about the age, though, um, because at, Steve McClendon's up there in age, NFL speaking-wise, um Quentin Williams' metabolism, I'm sure he could put him down a lot more. But I'm going to take a different angle on this. And I'm going to sacrifice myself here. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you guys. And I'm going to go ahead and I'll pick Robbie Anderson for this. And I will lose this. And I will sit there and I will suffer through (laughs) the, the torture of watching this film with Adam Gase for this long, just so I can try to see and understand what goes through his head. And just so I can try to understand it and maybe I can get a better understanding and then I can relay that on to you guys. So I'm going to go ahead and fall on this sword and take this punishment for you guys.
2: Wow, Chris, I got to tell you, that really is the equivalent of suffering for all of our sins. Bless you for that, sir.
1: Yes, Christmas spirit. I'm feeling it. (laughs) I'm normally very much a Grinch, so you guys really have no idea how how big this is. This this is very, very selfless
2: of me. It's why you're a very big deal. Yep. Next question comes in from ShanJam84. He says, do you get sick of answering some version of the same question about Gase's 2020 job status week after week, despite already knowing that he's coming back? Are other stories, good and bad, being underreported due to hyper-focus on Gase? I don't know that there are stories that are being underreported because of hyper-focus on Gase. I do think that maybe there is a little too much focus on Gase. As I've said before... Even though Gase is a big part of the problem, he's certainly not the only problem. It's been a systemic issue that we've seen over the last 10 years in terms of roster building more than anything else. You go back to right after Eric Mangini left all the way up through now, and there has been a major failure in terms of building this roster, putting together the right depth, having a middle class to the roster, on top of the fact that there have been so many positions that have not been manned by any long-term solutions for the longest time. The offensive line is a great example there haven't been any real long-term solutions at any of the positions on the offensive line since Mangini left. The last two really would have been brick and mangled. You could talk about guys like Brian Winters, who's been here for a while, but he's really hovered right around average, maybe even slightly below average as a starter for most of his tenure. So that's an example. There have been a lot of other positions where they have struggled to keep long-term starters other than Darrell Rivas, who was picked during the Mangini era. They haven't had anybody at cornerback that stuck around for a significant period of time and you could go down the list with this it's just been a really bad job of roster building whether that was through the draft bad free agency decisions just not finding the right guys in various avenues whether it's trades or undrafted free agents or finding guys on the waiver wire or Overall, it's been a huge mess. So the only thing I will say is I don't think that it's holding down other stories, but I do think that maybe some people are focusing on it too much in terms of making Gase the only problem when he's only part of a much larger problem, which, by the way, is not to say that he isn't a significant part of the problem, because he certainly is.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a little annoying and frustrating to deal with, but it's, it's not anything uh, about the fans asking the questions because I totally understand the asking of the questions. The frustration is that there's probably not going to be anything done about it. Adam Gase is almost certainly coming back. Um, but it's also – it's really the only thing we can r- talk about because there are, as you said, plenty of other problems. But these other problems are on Mike McKagan and, the, and even John Idzik and even uh, Tannenbaum beforehand, um, those are the problems here. And we can talk about the offensive line and how bad they are. We can talk about, um, you know, the injuries. We can talk about uh, how they're missing pieces here and there. But that, that can't be pinned on Gase, and that certainly can't be pinned on Joe Douglas. So, yes, we need to talk about how – these problems can be addressed in the off season and going forward, but there's nothing we can really talk about and pin it on anybody in the organization. Now, the only thing we can really talk about and pin on the organization now is what Adam Gase is doing. Unfortunately, Adam Gase isn't going to be going anywhere. So those questions will keep being asked. And then we have to keep responding with, yeah, I get it, but he's not going to be going anywhere. So we're really in this weird limbo situation here. And the other part of the problem is a lot of – we we all know this offensive line is bad. And a lot of these guys aren't going to be back next year. Um, so it doesn't make sense for us to keep harping on, you know, <clears throat> on Alex Lewis and how he's playing because he might not be back next year. Brian Winters and his injury and how he was playing before the injury – well, Brian Winters probably isn't coming back next year either. So it, a lot of the problems on the roster, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a lot of time harping on and beating the drum about it because they're probably going to be gone and new players will be brought in next year. So it's just kind of like we have to wait and see here. And, again, the, the other problems on this roster that where it backtracks to the blame goes to somebody who's not here anymore. So – as much as I always keep saying this is why we have to talk about McKagan because the effects are still on this roster, there's only so much we can talk about that. And then identifying the single player, that's a problem, even though he's probably not going to be back next year. There's only so much you can say about that. So Adam Gase is going to continue to get the attention here, and then we're going to be continue to ask about it, and I totally understand it.
2: Next question comes in from Tim. He says, I'm thinking about going to the Jets-Steelers game. Where should I go to get the best deal? This is an easy one. You want to go to the Vivid Seats mobile app, download it right now, use the promo code overtime and you'll get yourself up to a 100 bucks off on your very first purchase you can use it for that jet Steelers game or if you want use it for something else you can get yourself tickets to a basketball game you can go see the nets that's our team me and chris we're both nets fans you go see a hockey game maybe a concert a wrestling match a boxing match or you can even use it to buy a christmas gift for somebody that you're shopping for don't worry chris and i won't tell that person that you use the discount code it'll be our little secret just download the vivid seats mobile app right now enter the promo code overtime and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase that's gonna wrap up part one of the weekend mailbag we'll be back with part two tomorrow in the meantime make sure you're following chris on twitter at CNimbly and at jets insider read his very big deal work over at jets and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn on the